Hey family, uh, it is our ninth week of um, being in God's Word together in this format. I can't believe that it has been nine weeks. Hopefully you had a chance to watch the video that I uploaded on Friday afternoon talking about our hopes and plans for gathering back together as soon as possible. If you didn't get a chance to do that, I would encourage you to do that today so you kind of are up to speed on um, what we're hoping to see happen and that you can be praying along with us in those things as well. And and also, I hope you had a chance to listen to the music that Kyle and Cambria did so beautifully and and um, and read the psalm. Psalm 27 was today's call to worship that would prepare your heart and your um, and just your, prepare your soul for receiving the word that we're going to be in today. Um, I miss you guys. Uh, this has really gotten no easier, honestly. If, if anything, it's gotten harder. And by this, I mean even just teaching um, to you guys as a way to try to remind me that I'm that I'm not really teaching to a camera. I'm teaching to brothers and sisters in Christ that I love and miss, um, and my heart hurts for. Frankly, um, as a shepherd, I just don't know where you're at. Like I don't know spiritually what the temperature of the flock uh, that I'm called to shepherd is, and and that's a hard place to be as a shepherd. And so, um, anything you can do to help me just know that you're doing okay and um, that that. Um, that you're still pressing on in the Lord, I would, I would, it would just really nurture your pastor's heart. Uh, I just, just to help prepare me, I pray through um, our church roster right before I uh, preach the messages because it just reminds me that I'm not just speaking to a camera, that I am speaking to these people that I love and miss dearly. So, um, you know, with that, before we jump into the Word of God, I just wanted to, um, and I just wanted to share with you a couple of questions that I talked about last week is as we I got a lot of positive feedback about just the discussion that was even had around some of those questions as we start to sort of transition back into a sense of um, more normal things are opening up prayerfully the church is going to start gathering again soon in some format what that looks like um, we're praying about but um, I just wanted to, to share a couple of questions because because although we, we are excited to be back we don't want to just rush right back into what we were doing before. And so the questions I asked last week that I want to ask again today is, what has God used this time to remove from your life that you don't want to see added back? So so take some time in the coming, this weekend and in the coming week or so, um, to go, you know, like, like, what are the things that he took away that I don't want to add back? And then what are the things um, that he added to my life that I don't want to lose when we get back to to a more normal way of living or a more um, just familiar way of living? Are there things that, that you guys have just been able to do either as an individual, as a couple, as a family, um, because because if, that, that you don't want to lose those things? Because guys, here's the thing. I've been saying this from the beginning in my own life, in our family's life, and in our church family. If all we do is is ride this thing out, tread water for nine weeks now, and, and, and who knows for how much longer, um, and then come out and, and and we look exactly the same as we did before we left, individually, as families, and as the church gathered, um, then we've missed the God-orchestrated opportunity. And so we want to be praying, Lord, what, what are you doing in this time? What have you done in this time? What have you given us in this time? What have you taken away? What have you shown us that wasn't really necessary in our lives and even in our churches uh, that that you don't that you don't need and and let's embrace those things so that as we as we step back into gathering together and being together in a more normal way of living um, we're not um, we've grown and and that's really been my prayer um, for this time as well we are five weeks it's part of why we decided to take put James on hold 
We're five weeks into the series that I'm calling I Still Am, and it's mostly been through Colossians and just looking at how um, the, the best antidote we have for anxiety and fear and, and just apathy is to continue to look at who Christ is and who he calls us. And so we've been looking at that each week. Uh, week one, we looked at how Jesus was the one who holds it all together. Week two, we looked at how he is the one who is still um, offering real freedom from the bondage that we're in. Week three, we took a break from Colossians and we went into uh, Psalm 16, where we, we saw that he still is the one in whom we find our fullness of joy. Last week, we talked about Colossians chapter 3, and we looked at how he is still the one changing what we live for, that because of what he's done for us in the gospel and because of who he is, he really is the reason we should be living. And so we looked at that last week, and today we're going to be looking at the message that I'm entitling, I Still Am the One Wanting to Be Your King. I still am the one wanting to be your king. And before we open up the word of God, um, would you pray with me? So Father, I just come to you, Lord, and I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a sovereign God. I thank you that, that no matter what the chaos or things that are going on in our lives um, individually and, and worldwide, Lord, that, that you have not lost control, that you are still on your throne, that you are still king of kings and lord of lords. I thank you that um, that we know you to be that God and that we can find our rest in that powerful place, Lord. But I also confess with my brothers and sisters um, that sometimes we want to remove you from that throne because we want to put ourselves on it or um, we want to put our own way of thinking on it. And so, uh, Lord, we confess that to you and we thank you for your grace that covers us even in those times when we are glory thieves and we're trying to steal um, your spot on the throne of our hearts. Lord, I, I thank you for the truth that your gospel is going forward. Lord, I'm hearing good story, great stories even from, from our own people, from other churches where um, there's just been great opportunity in, in very different ways uh, to see your, the truth that um, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners like me, like those that are watching this video. And, um, and that's still going forward, that the gates of hell are not prevailing against your bride. And so I thank you for that truth. Lord, I do pray for those that are sick. Lord, I pray right now that you would just heal the world of this virus, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch people who are in hospitals or who are sick and who are fearful. Lord, I pray for those that aren't maybe physically sick, but they're emotionally sick, that they're, that they're living in fear, or maybe it's anger and frustration. Um, whatever those things are, Lord, I want to pray that you're the peace that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that you would do that for me. Lord, I pray too that... Um, that as we open up your word, you would open up our eyes. God, I pray that you would remind us that you are king. Lord, I pray that what we do not know, you would show us. I pray that what we cannot see, you would reveal to our the spiritual eyes of our hearts. I pray that, um, that what we um, have yet to learn, you would teach us. And I pray that what we are not yet, you would use this next um, few minutes to make us into the image of Christ, because that's what you've created us to be, image bearers of the Most High God, for your glory. Lord, we, we look forward to the ministry of your Spirit in these moments, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. So today's question is, what does it look like to look to the coming King? What does it look like 
to look to the coming king. And, and we're going to be in Psalm 37. So open up your Bibles to Psalm 37. And this passage is written almost proverbially. So it's written in this sort of this back and forth format of um, this covering three kind of areas. One is um, the goodness of God. One is his justice in the world. And the other is the is our inheritance. But rather than kind of bounce back and forth too much and say, okay, so verses 3, 6, 9, and 11 are on his goodness. Verses uh, 1, 2, 7, 10, etc. are on his justice. I'm going to sort of cover those three areas of his goodness, his justice, and our inheritance in three major sections. So hopefully that will make sense to you as we go along. But our path through the passage is basically going to look like um, in answering the question of how can, what does it look like to look to the king is we can trust in his goodness, we can rest in his justice, and we can persevere in our inheritance. We can persevere in our inheritance. So let's look at the first point. You can trust in his goodness. Look at Psalm 37 and verse 1. Psalm 37 and verse 1. It says, Do not fret because of evildoers, but not be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. We're going to pick that up um, in our next point in looking at his justice. So I'm going to move on to verses 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew Henry, who lived in the 1700s, um, who was a, uh, just a, a, a pastor and a biblical commentator of his age in the 1700s, he said this, He has not promised to gratify the appetites of the body and the humors of the mind, but the desire of the renewed, sanctified soul. The promises of, of um, Psalm 37 verses 3 and 4 are not that God is going to give us what we want. This is not a prosperity gospel promise. What, that, what, he, what God is talking about here, what David is speaking of in Psalm 37 verses 3 and 4, is that when we press into Christ, he will change what we want. We will, he will give us what we want because he will change what our hearts want. That's ultimately what the renewed, sanctified soul does, is it starts to want what God wants us to want. In verse six or verse five, he says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. I love that. Guys, God's plans are not going to be thwarted. Like we have to we have to remember that we are God's people, and his plan for us is a good plan, and we're going to talk more about that. But he but he is not going to be thwarted by COVID-19 or by the World Health Organization or by whatever political party that you are not a part of, or or whatever it is you think um, might ruin God's plan, that just isn't gonna happen. Like like th this book is full of times where where God's people have been in hard times, much harder times than we're in. And, and God says things like, like in Isaiah 14, in a time when God's people were being overrun by a virus that was called the Assyrians, which, which were far worse than COVID-19, frankly. Thou tens of thousands, millions of people slaughtered. Um, here's what God said through the prophet Isaiah. The Lord of hosts has sworn, surely, just as I have intended, so it has happened. And just as I have planned, so it shall stand. This is when God's people are being overrun. And he goes on to say a few verses later, for the Lord of, for the Lord of hosts has plans and who can frustrate it? And as, as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? As his plans for his people are not going to be thwarted. And as kingdom people, we are his people. 
And his plan for your life is not going to be thwarted either. Right? Jeremiah 29.11, probably the most known verse in Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Right? David himself, the one who wrote Psalm 37 that we're in, he also wrote Psalm 139. And he says, all the days that you had planned for me, they were ordained for me before there was even one of them. Right? His plan for you, he's never, God is never up in heaven going, oh no, what am I going to do now? COVID-19, I didn't know that was going to happen. That, that, that never happens to God, ever. And we can rest in that, and we can trust in that. But guys, if, if we don't believe he is a good God, and that he has a good, good, we're not going to trust that he has a good plan. Like if we don't believe that he is a good God who not only loves you because he kind of almost like he has to, like of course God loves you because God is love. I just don't know that he likes me, right? If, if we don't believe that he not only loves us but likes us, you're not going to believe that he has a good plan and that his plan is going to be fulfilled for your good and for his glory. Partially because it's on his terms and, and frankly we just don't like that. Right? We don't like we don't want the king of glory defining the terms. And I'll get into that more as we move along as well. But ultimately, his plan for your life is not your comfort. It's Christ conformity. I say that all the time. His plan for your life, for my life, is ultimately to build his kingdom through you. And that's not just in the New Testament. That's not just a, a, a post-Jesus thing. In Daniel, the book that we were in last summer, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, he says this, Those who have insight, that's people who have the word of God revealed to them, they will shine brightly like the brightest of the expanse of heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Guys, he's saying, it all. this was 600 years before Christ was, he even came the first time, and he's saying, the people who know my revealed word shine and they are shining to bring people into my kingdom. And they will shine forever and ever. So in verse 7, we go on. He says, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. For the evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Because we're not only to trust in God's goodness, but we're to rest in it. We're to find our soul rest in, the, in, in, in believing that he is a good God. Restlessness, if, if you struggle with restlessness, and I'll, I'll confess I do. I have seasons more than others where I'm, where I'm up in the middle of the night. God, don't you know? God, don't you know? God, don't you know? And, God's, and he's reminding me of his promises, and I'm singing hymns to my heart and trying to go back to sleep. And, and I'm, the other half of my brain is going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. All of that is a symptom of my trust issues, your trust issues, right? Restlessness is a lack of belief because we have trust issues. And I talked about that. We all have trust issues and perspective problems. But real faith, real trusting, anchored, soul-anchored faith, right? It trusts and rests in the goodness of God. Because it understands that even, that even in the bad things that are going on in our lives, like in Joseph's life when his brothers sold him into slavery, and then he spends all those years unjustly accused in prison in Egypt, 
And then his brothers finally come back and he and they're, and they're terrified because they think he's going to practice vengeance on them. And he says, no, wait, guys, what you meant for evil, what the world means for evil, God meant for good, for his kingdom, to preserve a people for him is what Joseph tells us. And, and the same thing is true now. What the world means for evil, what other people in your life might mean for evil, God will turn, God means for good. He is using even those things in our lives. Martin Luther, the reformer who lived in the 1500s, said this, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. In, he's quoting verses, his commentary on, verse 30, verse on Psalm 37. In the Hebrew, he says this really means, Be silent to God and let him mold thee. Keep still and he will mold, mold thee to the right shape. Guys, sometimes the hardest thing to be isn't to be strong, but it's to be still. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to be in life isn't strong, but still. I want to go back to verse 4 when he says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I want to give you guys a chance to talk a little bit about that. So your table talk question, the first one is this. It is almost easier to believe that God loves you than that he likes you. Why is that? And how does that impact how your heart hears Psalm 37, verse 4? So today's question is, what does it look like to look to the coming king? First, we can trust in his goodness. Guys, in this world, it feels like there's a lot of injustice. But our second point that, that the passage is going to bring out is that we can rest in his justice. We can trust in his goodness and we can rest in his justice. Look at verse, or Psalm 37, look at verse 10. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. You will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous as gnashes his teeth at him with at, gnashes at him with his teeth the lord laughs at him for he sees his day is coming the wicked has drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy to slay those who are upright in conduct their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken better is a little of the righteous than abundance with the wicked and he goes on for several more verses, but I just want to straight up ask you guys a question about how you see other people, about how you relate to other people, especially right now as, as we see things like everything from just sort of general apathy and, and almost like, I don't care anyway, so I'm just going to be a jerk, um, to just frankly anger. Um, do you see yourself as judge, jury, and maybe even sometimes the executioner of God's justice? Do you see yourself as judge, jury, and executioner of God's justice? If Do you find yourself in anger and, um, and maybe even outrage um, trying to defend Jesus for things that aren't even about the gospel? Here's the thing. If, if, if we are defending him in anger, it's not him we're defending. And, and we got to remember that. 
as this world just gets more and more angry. Jesus does not need our anger. What, what we have done in the West in particular, especially in America, is we've, we've said, well, yeah, but there is righteous indignation. Yeah, God gets righteous indignation because he's the one that is fully righteous. And yes, there are times where we need to stand up for what is right and where we need to do that, especially when, when we're talking about the ability to, to share the gospel. But, but guys, even in those times, it, we need to do it with grace and love. Boldness to be sure. Strength in abundance. But we need to do it in love and in grace. If you are defending Christ in anger, you are not defending Christ. That's just the reality. And how do I know that? Because the word, it's not Doug's opinion. Some of you have already, if you haven't turned it off already, some of you have turned, tuned me out. This isn't me talking. This is God speaking. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. It doesn't say with just the people you agree with or just the people that aren't treating you poorly. It means at peace with everybody. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You will remind him of the difference between kingdom people who even in the midst of persecution love generously as a and that's going to help him know that he's, he or she's not a kingdom person. And where they're going is where there's going to be burning coals and weeping and gnashing of teeth. But if you just behave just like them, how are we any different? But I'll finish the passage. Do not, overcome by, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know how much clearer that can be. Now, some of you might say, okay, yeah, but that's Paul. That's Paul speaking. Well, one, that's really bad theology. There, there, there's no less inspired words in God's word. The red letters in your red letter Bible are no more important than the black letters. I know that comes as a surprise to many. All of it is inspired by the one who is the word of God, and that is Jesus Christ. But let me just tell you what Jesus said. In the Beatitudes, in, the, in, in his great sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I've taught through those and, and even shared like the ant antithesis of those. And I don't have to, I'm not going to take the time to do that now. But, but guys, when he talks about if blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God, what, th that's really sons and daughters. It really just means the people that are making peace in the world are about the family's business. That's what Jesus was saying there. They're in the family business. The peacemakers are. Because he goes on in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 5, starting back in 38 and 39. He's like, you guys have heard it said that, that you're to, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, 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 and he says, but I tell you, don't resist the evil person. What, wait, what? What, Jesus? Not only, not only take vengeance, but don't even resist him? Because that, that is a hard thing for us to, to hear, especially as Americans, frankly. I, I get, and it's even harder to know when and what that exactly looks like. I understand that. I do in my own heart. I have to search my own heart in that as well. Because he goes on to say, right, if, if anyone slaps you in the face, turn for him the other, other cheek. If anyone wants your shirt, give them your coat. 
If anyone asks you to go one mile, go two. Guys, these were not some backhanded ways at insulting the people. These, he, this was him saying, prefer the other person. Don't resist the evil one. We have we have turned it, and I've even heard it taught in ways that are frankly just unchrist-like. Like somehow Jesus was giving people a backhanded way at, at, at being um, aggressive towards other people. They just don't know Christ if they think that that's what Christ is saying. Right? Because he, he even goes on and says, you have heard it said, and he's quoting the Old Testament, love your neighbor, and then, he's not, and then he says, but what they had added to it, and hate your enemy. But he says, but I, here's what I tell you. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Because if all you do is love the people that love you, you're no different than, than the sinner is, than the unsaved person is. Right? If, if, if our... Guys, uh, let's just get real. If our Facebook feed, if our Instagram posts, if our watching habits on YouTube or Netflix are, are no different than the unregenerate, unredeemed, unborn again person, we need to question why. If, if someone were to read through your Facebook feed and go, Man, this person just seems angry. The, that is not of Christ. It just it. I, I get that that's hard. I get it's hard to hear. I get in my own spirit. I have to. I have to. I have to pray that the Holy Spirit would wrestle that part of me down over and over and over again. I get. I'm just. I'm just here to tell you that, that that's the truth. Right. But but here's part of our struggle. Not only. Um, do we struggle because we see people that are teaching lies or that are that are that are doing harm? We feel like they're getting away with it. We can also read passages like verse twenty-five, where he says, um, "We haven't gotten there yet." But in verse twenty-five, he says, "I have I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread." And we can go, "Yeah, but but God, I have seen." the righteous get hurt. I've seen people that just didn't didn't seem like they deserved to have what happened to them happen to them. Where is the justice in that? Like like where if if I'm supposed to wait for God to practice the justice but I'm looking around and it looks like there's all this injustice in the world, isn't it incumbent upon me to 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 be his instrument of justice? Well, again, in Isaiah he says this, you turn things around. Shall the potter be considered equal to the clay? That which was made, say to its maker, you did not make me. Or what is formed, say to him, the one who say to the one who formed it, he has no understanding. Ultimately, that's that's God saying through Isaiah. Here's 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 the human condition. We are constantly trying to take God and us and flip their positions. We're constantly trying to put ourselves. Here's God. Here's us. We're constantly trying to put ourselves on the throne of his heart and on the throne of the world. And he's the one that belongs there. He's the only one that belongs there. Guys, we have to remember that, that God's promise for justice is an eternal promise. It's not a present day promise. I mean, he does act in justice today at times, maybe not in the way we would like, but ultimately he doesn't promise us justice today, but he does promise us justice forever. That what we just read in the psalm is, in the end, it is all going to shake out. So we need to rest in that. And that's what today's uh, second table talk question is about. So look at your second table talk question. 
It says, as the darkness grows, the light becomes more distinct. But so does our propensity to judge those who are living in the dark. How does knowing there is final justice in the end help you extend grace today? Take a minute and listen or and, and talk about that question. Okay, so today's question was, how does it look to look to the coming king? And the first thing is that we, we, need to, we can trust in his goodness. The second thing is we can rest in his justice and not take it for ourselves. And, the, and finally, we need to persevere because this life is hard and God knows, Jesus knows it's hard, right? We need to persevere in his inheritance. We need to persevere in knowing that there is inheritance in store for us that we cannot even imagine. So look at Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of the man are established by the Lord and he delights in his way. The word established there in the Hebrew actually means fixed, appointed, prepared. He's saying that, that God knows where you're going to step next, even before you do. Right? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the passage in Isaiah 30, verse 21, that, we, that many of us have really grown to love. I, I will hear a word behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. Why? Because if you listen for the voice of the Lord and his word from your teacher, Isaiah 30, 31 is telling, or 30, 21 is telling us, you're going to hear the voice of your teacher who is the word of God saying, this is the way, walk in it. He knows where the minefield is, like where the mines are on the beach, and he'll tell you where to step next to avoid them for his eternal glory, that you might build his eternal kingdom. And then I love this where he says, and he delights, God delights in the way of that person who's listening for his voice and walking with him. Guys, do you, do you believe, do you, you understand that, that God delights in walking with you? I, I, I think part of our struggle in letting him be king is we don't really believe, it goes back to that first question, it's easier for us to believe that he loves us than that he just, than he likes us. Guys, Jesus died for the messed up you. God loves the messed up you. And he wants to walk with you. How do I know that? Because when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, what does it say? He would walk with them in the garden. But then their rebellion, their desire to flip him from his throne and them and, and become and, and be on the center of the throne of their heart, their, his, their desire to flip that separated them from him. And the rest of this story, the rest of this whole book, guys, is him pursuing them and then pursuing us to restore that fellowship that he might walk with us again but then we spend our lives living like like we don't really want to walk with him like we just want to keep him in this compartment of our life and maybe let him out on a sunday morning when we watch a youtube video or um or just at certain times but we don't really want to walk with him we don't really want to practice the withness of of his breath filling our sails that we might float above the waves of this world he, he doesn't really we don't really believe that that he is the one walking to the image from this series that we've been looking at and i still am that we that he really wants to walk towards us up along the storms of this world and say to us stop being afraid the great i am is here right we don't really believe that we our hearts struggle with that or Frankly, we don't believe, our hearts don't really want that because we want to be king. Right? We want to be on the throne of our hearts. 
we we can't possibly be looking to the to the kingdom come the kingdom coming the king coming if we're spending all of our time trying to figure out how to build our own kingdom and how to be king of it that's not the person that this psalm is describing here the person he's describing and, and goes on to describe in verse 24 he says when that person falls when 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 life gets hard and it will when the person, not if that person, not if the righteous person stumbles, when the righteous person falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Solomon in Proverbs 24, 16 says, for the righteous man falls seven times, but rises up again. But the wicked stumbles into it in a time of calamity. Wait, wait, wait a second. The righteous man falls seven times, but keeps getting up and the, and the wicked man just, he's out. What's the difference? The one who's holding his hand. Verse 24. It is the Lord who is the one who holds his hand. He is the one who is leading us towards our inheritance. He, and, he, and guys, get this. He gets that this life is hard. How does he get it? Because he lived here among us for 33 years. He was rejected. He was, he, it's not just the, the, the few days between the, his, his triumphal entry and going to the cross. His whole life was hard. So he gets that, that there are times where you're going to stub your toe. But he wants to walk with us. And he's telling a story of redeeming grace that empowers us to walk with him. If we'll just walk with him. If we'll believe the promise of Hebrews 13 where he says, He, Jesus, will never, no, never, ever, 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 ever leave you or forsake you. No matter how many times you think you've stumbled and fallen, no matter how disappointed you think you've made him, he is not going to forsake you. Why? Because he not only loves you, he likes you. He likes the messed up you. David is going to go on and talk about the difference between living selflessly and living selfishly and how that happens. In verse 31 of our psalm, he says, The law of God is hidden in his heart, and his steps do not slip. Wait a minute. How, how does that happen? How do we live, the, how do we live these two different lives? These, this, this, this difference between the kingdoms that, we've been ta- that we talked so much about last week, where that kingdom divide, kingdom people that, that, is, that is Christ's kingdom that is currently in the heavens and will come down and be the new heaven and the new earth and has been the seed of that kingdom, has been implanted in us as kingdom people, and then a worldly kingdom that is controlled by Satan. How do we live that way? Well, he tells us right here, the, the law of, of, God, of his God, of that, of that kingdom person's God, the law of that God is hidden in his heart. And that's why his steps will not slip. Right in, in Proverbs 7, again, Solomon, David's son, says this, My son, keep my, command, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. David, I, who I believe wrote Psalm 119, it's not, it doesn't say that but i believe it was david or and or asap who did it together his music leader wrote that that giant psalm he says your word i have hidden in your heart that i might not sin against you guys why because the word of god and the souls of people 
are the eternal, the only two things in this worldly kingdom that Satan is the ruler of, the only two things that are eternal down here are the word of God and the souls of human beings. And so when we take the word of God and apply them to our hearts, that we, in the passages that I just read, that is how kingdom living happens. That is how we keep looking to the coming king. Because our inheritance... That we can, so we can persevere knowing that there are greater things are in store for us than we can possibly imagine. It is the eternal inheritance. right? Look at verse 27. You will abide forever. Verse 28. You will be preserved forever. Verse 29. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. Do you hear what he's saying? What is he talking about? He is talking about the coming judgment where those two kingdoms are going to get slammed together. Where The land we're going to inherit isn't some surreal place in heaven when the new heaven and the new earth come and we're all back in the garden walking with God forever in eternity doing the jobs that he has prepared, the place he has prepared beforehand, the, the, the tasks he's given us to do for all eternity as kingdom people, when those two kingdoms are slammed back together, that's what we inherit. That's what we have to look forward to. That's why no matter how hard this kingdom is, we can keep looking up at this one going, that's where my hope is. My hope is in that inheritance. right? I, 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 it's also talking about the coming judgment. Of those people, when that kingdom comes, those people are getting smashed down into the lake of fire for all eternity. Warren Wearsby, 90-something years old, pastor for twice as long as, you know, well, not twice as long now as I've been alive because I'm 51, but man, the sweet, dear, spirited man, he says this, the wicked have only temporary pleasure on earth, but God's people have eternal treasure in heaven. You will one day receive your inheritance, so be patient. Guys, be patient. Don't give up the fight. Don't let apathy take over during this time of social distancing. Stay hot-hearted towards the things of God, the Word of God, and the people of God. That's what matters here. That's it, guys. The rest of it is all going to burn. It just is. Over and over and over God tells us, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. In this passage, we, we, verse 11, 18, 22, 29, 30, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. Why is there so much discussion about waiting on the Lord? Because the Lord knows it's hard. The Lord knows it's hard for us to wait. Because he lives outside of time. And a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And nobody knows for sure when he's going to come back. Not even the Son of Man. So if you're listening to people that are telling you they have figured out that the, the signs that we're seeing right now and what's going on in the world and the marks of the beast and whatever it is, and so they know that this time is coming, they, are compl they may be right. By them saying, I have figured it out, they are putting themselves above Jesus Christ. Because when he was here, he said, I don't even know when I'm coming back. So if someone is telling you they know when he's coming back, they are saying, I'm smarter than Jesus is. I'll, I'll just let that hang there for a little bit. But why is it so hard for us to wait? Because restlessness is in our souls as, as part of this fallen kingdom. Because we struggle to believe. Why? Because we have trust issues and we have a perspective problem. right? We don't trust that he just likes us. We don't believe that. And, and we look around at the world and we watch things on the news that are happening and we're and we're and, and we live just in this place of fear and anxiety and anger because 
and I get it. I do. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying, guys, just keep looking up. We just, we just, we have to keep looking up for our coming King because it's the only antidote. It's the only thing we got. I'm not trying to make people feel bad by saying, turn off the news and open up your Bible. I genuinely am not. It's the only thing I know that is going to help your soul live as a kingdom person. Because the stuff that's coming in through our televisions is not helping us live as kingdom people. And I don't believe that we watch TV in our home. I'm not saying that it's the devil's box. I am saying, guys, you have to have massive balance, especially at times when you're isolated. Guys, why is it so hard for us to live forever? You know, last week I talked, or two weeks ago, I talked about how the problem is we make the dot everything when God wants us to live for the line, right? And, and, and how the, the wrestle between those things is one is the dot is this kingdom. The line is the eternal kingdom. Another way that I've demonstrated this before and I'm going to show you today is, so imagine this red line is, is your current life. So from the time that I was born, which is over here, to the time that I'm going to die is this red line, right? Is, is, this, is this part of the rope? The problem that we have is that we make everything about in, in this life, we make everything about the day that we're living in. We make it about today. And then, and then not only that, but then we worry about our today, which is tomorrow, and then we just keep walking along. Like everything is about today. It's about today. It's about today. And so, and, and so, what happens is, is we lose sight of eternity because we're so focused on today that we lose sight of eternity. But here's the truth, guys: every soul that ever lives is going to live forever and ever and ever and ever, either with God in, etern in, in the new heaven and the new earth, walking with him and with one another, the rest of us that have, or they're going to live apart from him. But, but guys, it goes on and on and on. And, and all of this is reality. Guys, this is reality. But we make this, we make this the thing. We make this the thing when this is really it. And it just keeps going. Unlike my rope, it just keeps going and going and going. But, but, but our struggle is, is so we're so focused. I am so focused on what do I need to get done today? What, what's, what are my problems today? What, what are the, the struggles of today? And, and it's, it's why Jesus tells us so many times in his word and, and out of his own mouth when he was here, don't worry about it. Don't worry because why, not, not because he didn't think it was hard or because we need those things, but because one, he knows God's in control. His father was in control, that your heavenly father knows you need those things. And two, because he knows that, guys, this is all just dress rehearsal. It is premarital counseling for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that day is coming. You're going to read about that this week in Revelation 19. And that day is coming. And then all of eternity is what we have to look forward to. Hang on to that. Guys, don't, don't give up on Christ. Right? It, 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 he has something in store for you that is glorious. Look at your last table talk question. Did you know that your mind cannot even comprehend all he has prepared for those who love him. So dream a little. What do you think your heavenly inheritance will be like? What will you be doing? 
And what are you most looking forward to in the new heaven and the new earth? Pause the tape before we finish up and um, take a minute. And just quickly, just, just throw out ideas to each other. Have a little fun with this. Dream a little. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up quickly now. With So today's question was, how does it look to look to the coming king? We can trust in his goodness. We can rest in his justice. We don't have to be the defender of all things. And we can persevere in his inheritance. And I'm just going to wrap it up by, getting to, by, by finishing the last few verses of Psalm 37 and letting King David remind us of the goodness of God and how much he likes us. Verse 35, he says this, I have seen the wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in a native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but I could not, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright, for the man of peace will have posterity. But transgressors will altogether be destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you that, that there, are, there are bad things that are going on in the world, but I thank you because um, they're not out of your sovereign control, that even Satan is just a tool. He's just a tool to you. There are not, there's not a fight between these two kingdoms. I mean, th there is a war going on, but, but it is not between two equal sides. The, the war, the, the, the victory in the war is certain because you are the one who is sovereign. You are the one who is all-powerful. And someday soon, Satan is going gonna, is gonna to realize that um, in a very, very real way. And so are the people who don't know you and are following him. And so Lord, I want to pray right now for people who don't yet know you as their King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who are not looking to Jesus Christ for the way to eternal salvation. God, that you would open the eyes of their heart, that they would behold the glory that is Christ. Lord, we have those people that, that are in our midst, whether they be in our homes or in our, um, in our communities. God, I pray that we, would, that we would make the most of this time as we await your coming kingdom, that, that we would be kingdom builders because we are kingdom people. If, if we're yours, we are kingdom people who are, who are given kingdom power. We have it to live, kingdom, to live in that kingdom power for your kingdom glory until your kingdom comes. So Lord, help us to be that way. Help us to live in victory by looking to our coming King. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the great I am. And it is in his beautiful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, next week we're going to be looking at Colossians 3 and 4, actually, and the one who is calling us into relationship. Our sending passage as we leave today is out of Revelation 22. It's the end of the book. And he says this, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To render to every man according to what he has done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. 
Guys, that is going to be a glorious day when he comes again and we get to enter, those of us that have tasted of the tree of life, and we're going to get to enter in to his new heaven, his new earth, his new Jerusalem, and be with him and each other forever. I I miss you guys. Um, I love you guys. And I am praying that you'll just keep looking up. God bless.